Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. Um, this is the podcast to help you grow your wealth and become financially independent. Value Investor TV, welcome, everybody. Um, Hari, uh, it's been a tumultuous week this week. Yep. Uh, a lot of volatility, a lot of ups and downs and, uh, you know, the, the crazy gyration of the market. Um, so we thought it would be very prudent to talk about how you should um, think about this downward trend that we're seeing and how you should be prepared and, and what the thought process, thought process might be. Um, so we're going to talk about those, all those things today related to the coronavirus and the, the market downturn. Hari, uh, let's uh, start off with uh, the disclaimer. Yeah, so this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are a podcast that helps you uh, understand the concepts behind value investing. We are not um, a financial advisor. We don't know your specific financial situation. So uh, before making any investment decisions, please consult with the appropriate uh, advisor. Sounds good. So Hari, uh, let's start with this. What do you... Th Let's just start with a very broad question. How are you? How are you feeling? Well, I feel great. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know the uh, the interesting thing about these kind of shocks, you know, as it were, are a lot of people will tell you that they don't see them coming. You know, at the beginning of the year, the market was kind of running on full steam. We had hit all time highs, uh, and you know, I think we, you and I talked about. Uh, the coronavirus at the end of January. Um, mm -hmm. And at the time we were thinking, you know, this could become something significant. It's certainly isolating in certainly hurting China significantly. Um, and now we're seeing it spread to, to the point where the WHO is calling it a pandemic. Um, and we're seeing China and South Korea, which were initially targets uh, of the virus have been tailing off, but now, other countries in Europe, uh, especially Italy, uh, the Middle East, uh, Iran, are are exploding in the in the number of cases that they've had, um, and so we're seeing a lot of uh, reactions. So we're recording this in the middle of March now, uh, twenty twenty, and uh, as we are, we're finding out more travel bans are being put out by the U.S. So uh, Donald Trump has. Um, Closed uh, travel from uh, Europe, uh, I think, starting uh, last night uh, at midnight. Yeah, Friday, Friday at midnight. Yeah, midnight Friday. Sorry, uh, Friday at midnight. We're today's Sunday, uh, and so we are seeing uh, this travel ban affecting not just the EU, but they've expanded it to the UK and Ireland uh, as well. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people are probably wondering, you know, it's hard to judge what is going on right now. Uh, Part of that announcement was also that there's going to be a $50 billion stimulus um, for the economy in, in various ways that we haven't really fully gotten yet. Um, and also some discussion about, you know, maybe in the future there would be a payroll tax cut and other things like that. Um, you know, the, the thing that we as investors, obviously, uh, people's safety is the most important thing right now. So shutting down these things is going to uh, as somebody said, in order to um, to stop this, we have to basically force ourselves into a recession, right? And that's that's why we're shutting down these, you know, schools. We're shutting down 
uh, travel. You know, I, I was actually in Disney World like a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You were you were in Florida for, yeah, for vacation, but also for a conference that which was also subsequently canceled. Right, and so you know this. Um, you know, I, I think what we're seeing is there are certain industries that are going to be hit very, very hard by this, mostly in the travel and uh, luxury travel um, and, you know, cruise ships, uh, vacations, you know, that kind of stuff is going to be hit. Tourism is going to be hit really, really hard because mm-hmm. you basically, you know, we're now starting to hit, run into the, you know, peak travel seasons for uh, spring break. Uh, we're going to be hitting summer and this may be extending yeah. into that. So, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on right now, um, and so we don't have all the answers, but we wanted to talk a lot about that and what what is going to what is this going to look like for certain industries and you know for the market itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly the travel industry is getting hit hard, and you know I was in France in January and February, and that's what you know that's when it, it was slowly trying to creep. You know, not not in not. It wasn't going into Europe at that time. There were probably some, but it wasn't as, as visible as it is today. But uh, at the time, I was talking to you know local the locals over there, and they were saying that the tourism has actually you know has, has started to decline, uh, starting in you know December, January, and, and February. And now I can imagine uh, that's you know that's even it's even the wor- the effect has been even compounded now at this point. Especially given that France, I think 30% or something like that of their GDP comes from tourism. Some countries are going get, to get hard, hit harder by uh, by this than others, uh, certainly. Right. And I, I think Italy is probably similar amounts, you know, percentage-wide, their DGP is coming from tourism as well. So <clears throat> it's not, not surprising that, um, you know, these countries that were already kind of on the brink of recession, that were barely skating by like Italy... Um, this is going to hit them very, very hard. So, uh, yeah, Italy. Uh, you're talking about also Spain just closed down their borders. Uh, yeah. Their population by 50 million closed their borders down completely this weekend. I heard Norway is doing the same, and I'm sure there's going to be cascade, uh, you know, cascade effect from all of this, not just in tourism but other industries. Uh, and you know, this this is particularly interesting. In you know, with with Europe and and the and the the, the free movement of people and goods uh, on that continent, um, so and also I think some element of culture there as well, where um, you know, like for example, something I noticed in in, in France uh, culturally, people are very, you know, when they greet each other, it's very intimate. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not like here. The, the the new topic that's that's been about out and about is handshake like how do we deal with handshakes in the u.s and uh you know um you know it obviously is is a, is a vital thing of our culture to be able to you know greet each other through handshakes over there it's even something more than that right so how do you deal with that in the context of coronavirus and um so there's you know a social element to this as well yeah and i i think um <clears throat> You know, one of the interesting things that's coming out of this is, you know, I was going to be at a conference that um, is a big in the medical IT industry, um, worldwide conference, a lot of business gets negotiated, you know, um, business development happens at these kind of things. A lot of companies start making deals uh, at these conferences. Um, So it's kind of a big deal that um, a lot of this is being shut down. Um, 
you know, it, I think the the ripple effect is going to be fairly significant across the across the world. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I'm painting this picture of doom and gloom. But I, I think what what is actually being done right now is is essentially copying the model that was done in South Korea. Um, we're seeing that being copied in a lot of the world. Um, the U.S. still hasn't gotten to the point where they're testing as fast as the South Koreans are. Um, but um, in essence, South Korea has tested over 200,000 people. Um, and, you know, they have 8,000 cases of the coronavirus. And they've basically shut down... I mean, Beko's parents live in South Korea, so he can tell us about that. But they basically shut down all activity... Uh, mass gatherings, schools, everything is basically closed. Everybody's in quarantine. Um, and the interesting thing is after, you know, three or four weeks, this virus is now, there. the number of new cases is is rapidly fallen. Um, and the mortality rate is actually less than 1%. Um, so yeah. the reason I want to bring that up is there's a lot of people out there. And, you know, as value investors, we, you know, one of the things that we do is seek the truth. Um, you know, I, I, my day job is an epidemiologist. you know, I, I have taken classes in epidemiology. I understand that I'm a physician. I understand the science behind a lot of this. Um, I don't want to propagate any myths about this, right? I want to be very clear and transparent. The South Korea model is, uh, and their statistics are probably the most accurate for the mortality rate for the, the infection rate for the transmissibility and so on, and people should be looking to it as the model for uh, what this looks like. So, you know, I, I, I will say this flat out, the mortality rate for this, the actual mortality rate is probably less than 1%. Um, and the, uh, you know, the there, there's a lot of media hype around 3%, 4%, which is what we're seeing in Iran and Italy. Um, <clears throat> and that is due to them not testing everybody. Um, like South Korea is. South Korea is basically testing anybody who's, ex who's exposed, and that's why you're able to get accurate rates. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, go ahead, uh, Beko. Yeah, no. I just wanted to add to that. The the screening effort has been pretty astounding to see. I mean, my parents were pretty surprised and impressed by what the government was able to put together, this this massive screening program. I also read something, you know, obviously there are two things, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's leading the effort here from the doctor's perspective and U.S. government side, he has been saying that you got to do two things. You got to block, you got to prevent new people coming into the country, but also you have to take care of people who are already sick inside the, inside the, inside the country. And so on the first note, preventing people from coming in, what South Korea has done is they have determined that, aside from a very specific countries, they have determined that it is already in the country. Therefore, blocking new, you know, blocking new um, people coming into the country is not going to do much help. Instead, what they have done is they have instituted this program. They have put together a quick an application, basically a mobile application. When you come into the country, you have to download this app, and you have to report this report your symptoms every single day in the app. So it's a government-run application that tracks where you are. You got to put in, you know, your symptoms on a daily basis. If you don't put in, they'll track you down and and call you, and the local authorities will try to find you and things like that. But they've put together a pretty impressive system to screen a whole bunch of people and to track people who are maybe asymptomatic for the time being, but still, uh, you, know, you should be on a on a close on a, on a short list of people to watch out for. My mom, you know, my parents have been uh, quite impressed. And to your point, Hari, 
I think I think a, a testament to that is in people talking about the drive-through programs, right? The thri- the drive-through screening programs that was instituted over there. Two hundred thousand people were screened. Um, yeah, it, it is pretty impressive. Uh, one article that I read this morning talking about the whole screening program, but also it has to be coupled with a good, solid foundational medical system, like healthcare system, public general healthcare system overall. Um, I read somewhere in the statistic today, uh, uh, amount of amount of money invested per ICU bed or something along those lines was South Korea and some other countries were quite high. If you look at Italy, it's quite low. Yep. And this article is talking about from the perspective of, of the UK where it is even lower than Italy. So from that perspective, I think this author was talking about it from the perspective of UK is not, is worse. You know, it, people tout NHS as a, as a good system, but you know, it, there's going to be some holes here that, that we'll, that we'll find with, with this, uh, with this virus. Yeah. You have to remember that just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean that normal people getting sick with other conditions, congestive heart failure or pneumonia unrelated to this aren't also happening at the same time. Right. And so, um, you know, when you have this kind of, uh, thing, what you're really worried about is a surge of, of patients beyond the capacity that we already have. Right. Um, and if you look at places like, like Houston, Houston has far more ICU beds than say a smaller city like Austin, uh, or San Antonio. Um, and so the, the capacity to handle a, a surge of people may be dependent not just on the size of the city, but, you know, how big the response is and so on. So, um, you know, I, I find it interesting that actually in South Korea, most of the deaths are actually related to one gathering of people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and then the rest of the population that has been exposed has been f- relatively mild cases. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so, uh, you know, the other kind of interesting tidbit of this is that there was a cruise ship called the Princess Diamond cruise ship that was one of the first cases that got uh, exposed there were 3,700 people aboard. Um, 16% of them, about 700 of them, got a, uh, got the infection, but only 300 of them were actually symptomatic. Um, and so their mortality rate was actually very similar to what we see in South Korea, 1%. Um, and this is a population that is skewed to the older side, right? So when we talk about these numbers, this means that there's an 8% or so symptomatic attack rate. That means that you will actually develop symptoms from this. Um, so w- that sounds low, right? But what you have to think about is that this virus can continue to propagate even after it's quote unquote controlled. So imagine if China opens up after they've kind of closed off Wuhan, uh, and starts opening up and these people who are not symptomatic or had an infection kind of start going out into the world and they start infecting again. Well, they can be back at this, you know, large spike of people again. Right, so all all of this shutdown is kind of to try and uh, defer the amount of infection that is occurring at one given time, so that we don't over overwhelm the system. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. I was talking to a, f- a friend about this as well. You know, people are in the in the U.S. and I think in other parts of the world, we're talking about flattening the curve, right? Flattening the curve. Yep. So instead of having a whole bunch of people get get sick at one point, where at which point you the healthcare system can't really handle that much volume. You're trying to blunt that effect and be able to have this more elongated, uh, kind of more rounder curve 
that stays below the threshold of the capacity or the healthcare capacity. Right. But if you extend that, if you do a little thought experiment of that, you're going to see a spike. Maybe it reaches that threshold. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it goes up and then it's going to come down. But then at some point, it's probably going to go back up again and come down, go back up, come down, go back up, come down. Ultimately, at which point you kind of reach a steady state of, you know, just having some, you know, some certain percentage of, of population getting infected uh, on a constant basis. Um, I thought that was a kind of an interesting thought experiment to do. Yeah, I mean, nobody knows if you are once exposed, if you become immune for life or if you just have a, an immunity for a few months. Um, so we don't know the answers to that. Um, the virus will can mutate, and that may mean that it has basically a new strain that uh, could cause you to be uh, get it twice, right? But it's it's actually a different virus in that in that regard. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see what if you know if this becomes a thing that we can control with just an immune uh, you know a vaccine. Um, my guess is that as as most of these things go. Um, as long as we are cautious about, you know, this, we will have lead time because we'll be able to test for it. Um, and if people are, are mindful of the social interaction, you will actually significantly limit this transmission, right? And, um, you know, so I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I have heard hand washing can reduce the amount of transmission by 50%, right? And hopefully that means that people will also do follow this and, it'll also prevent flu transmission too, you know, just as a, a side effect of just hand washing and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. anyway, we've, we've talked a lot about the actual virus transmission rates and so on, but I, I think, uh, you know, we can now start talking more about the economic impacts and the market uh, impacts um, that we see, because, uh, you know, this isn't a podcast about uh, epidemiology, so. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. Okay. Um, sounds good, Hari. Should we uh, continue our discussion in the next episode? Yeah. It sounds good. Okay. Great. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.